What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. I'm telling you guys, the spirit is stirring in this area. People are hungry. They've got plenty of religion over the years. They've got plenty of doses of religion, but they're seeking after the true God. Amen. You can hit that light for me, Zach. Can you hit that light on there for me? People are looking after the real God. They're not looking for another religion. We got plenty of churches that are just doing religion. That's what's wrong with this area. We got a lot of religion, but not enough Jesus. Oh, come on. Y'all ain't listening to me. I'm going to follow the spirit again this morning. We got plenty of religion, but we ain't got enough Jesus. We watched Jesus Revolution. That's why I said I won't talk much about it, but I felt like this was how I'm supposed to start. We watched Jesus Revolution yesterday. And the church that that whole movement started in had plenty of religion, but not enough Jesus. Because here's what happened. And I'm telling you guys, I watched it, and I saw Next Level Freedom Church. I'm like, they've made a movie about us, and we haven't even got started yet. We're going to have to talk about copyrights. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. I'm just playing. I'm just messing with you. But I'm like watching this, and I'm saying, this is the heart. This is not only my heart, though. This is crazy. It's the heart of this movement. That's been happening here in this country. Well, I got the spirit all over me this morning. I can feel it. Whew. You ever get them cold chills, Devin? It's the heart of the movement. Because what they had, and if you watch, I encourage you to go watch it. Support Christian films. Because this one was, I did not even know the whole hippie movement, the Jesus movement, and how, what all was entailed with it. I had no idea. Because schools don't teach about it. They skip over that part. But there was a whole move of God that went across this nation. It started in one small little church. And what they did was they began welcoming people that don't normally come to church. And you know what it did? It did exactly what's happening nowadays. It ticked the religious people off. Might I say that the greatest ones that are keeping God from moving in this area are so-called Christians. Don't come up in my church looking like a hippie. Don't come in my church if you're doing drugs. Don't come in my church if you got a problem with alcohol. Don't come in my church if you're dealing with sexual immorality. Don't come in my church if you're committing adultery. Don't what who are we trying to reach? Are we just what did Jesus say? So the religious knuckleheads, the Pharisees had something similar to say. And here's what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to heal those that are well. I came to heal those that are sick. And this is the biggest problem. And I believe in this area, I'm talking about Jackson, Missouri, in this region. There's something getting ready to go down. I'm telling you, And I believe it's going to birth in Dexter because that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed whenever we do this crusade we're getting ready to do. 
There's something going down in this area, and every pastor, every minister, every person, not even pastors, that I talk to say the biggest problem in this area, especially Jackson and Cape, is a religious spirit that will not let God move. So we teach religion from our pulpits. Can I just be real? There are some ministers that are just motivational speakers. They don't even crack the book to teach. This is the word that changes lives. There's nothing I can say that's going to change you. But this right here, this word, this book can change your whole life. If you'll let it. I can't get you out of tradition. I can't get you out of religious tradition. But God can. All I can do is point you to the true Savior. That's Jesus. Jesus is the one that changes hearts. The Holy Spirit is the one that changes the heart. We can't do that. And we got to get past the point to where we think we've got to do it. Sometimes your job is just to plant a seed in somebody's life. That's it. You won't see the harvest. Sometimes you're just planting a seed. They go home and think about it. They won't admit it in public, but they think about it. I've told you before, some of my biggest opportunities to minister came behind the scenes. People don't want to talk about it in front of other people. They're embarrassed. But they pull me aside in the parking lot on the way home from work and say, Preacher, can I talk to you? Now, first of all, I don't like getting called preacher, but that's all they know, right? They knew you're a pastor, a preacher. To them, it's the same thing. They're not church. They don't know this stuff. Preacher, can I talk to you a second? What is it that you got that I don't got? What hope is in you that I don't have? And if nobody's ever asked you that question, my question to you is, are you living it? Because all I had to do and all you have to do is live it in front of people. That's it. The problem is we got too many people that are just catering to the world. Too many people that are trying to blend in. Called them camouflage Christians years ago. They just do what everybody else is doing. That's why nobody ever talks to you. They don't have, they don't want to talk to you about their problems. You're living like them. But if you'll just live it, God will do the rest. If you just live it, God will do the rest. You can come up here and you can talk a good game. I've known preachers that have. They talk a good game, but there's no spirit in it. If there's no spirit in it, then it's just a motivational speech. Go out and get you a social club and talk in it. That's not what the church is about. We are about a real move of God that unites a body of believers even outside of the church setting. We're not trying to build a church. We're trying to build a community of believers. Even outside the church setting. That's why our final vision is more of a community center than a church. The church is in it, but everything in the building revolves around what people do with their time. I watched that movie yesterday, and I'm seeing the same thing we've been battling for years. It's repeating right now. This whole Jesus movement that happened in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, it's happening right now. Are you seeing it? 
Are you looking for it? All that pastor did was against church tradition. All he did was he decided against what the elders of the church had to say. Those people don't belong here. That's what they said. That sounds like a Pharisee made over. They don't belong. Don't touch me. I don't want any of your sin to get on me. Don't touch me. That's really the way the Pharisees thought. They thought, if I get too close to them, I get involved, their sin might come off on me, and I'm perfect, right? That was their thinking. I'm not saying they were right. This whole holier-than-thou attitude is what's the problem. All he did was against what they said, he started allowing, in this movie, hippies to come into the church. What are hippies? Hippies were drugs. They were on drugs. And I don't, can I just break it to you real? And we've had it in this house. That's why I said I'm watching Next Level Freedom Church happen. We have people in this house. They come in high. That don't mean we send them back out the door. That means come on in. Front row, have a seat. I'm not here to preach to a bunch of Christians. Now I will because we're here to encourage each other. Don't get me wrong. That's why we come together is to encourage each other, get our refill through the week. But the ministry happens out there. The ministry happens, and we've seen it several times here, when people just come walking in the door off the street. They don't know why they're here. And all they have to say, they might be high as a kite, but all they have to say is, I don't know why I'm here, but God just told me to be here. They're tapping into something not even the best religious person in the world is tapping into. They can follow God's spirit. It's not because they're high, and that's exactly what they were teaching in the 70s, the early 70s in the Jesus movement, Jesus revolution. I think Billy Graham was the first one that started saying Jesus revolution about it. If I'm, if I could be wrong. That's what was happening. The church didn't want the mess in here. Can I just tell you something? The Bible talks about where there's a stall, but the ox isn't in the stall, and I'm just paraphrasing here. There's no mess. It's clean. But can I just break it to you real? At Next Level Freedom Church, we're going to have some messes. Because when we're letting the ox come in, there's going to be a whole trail of it behind them. The idea is the same spirit that is in us will get on them. Jesus said, I came to heal the sick, not those that think they're righteous. Has anybody ever talk, tried to talk to a person who thought they were holier than thou or thought they were so righteous? Anybody ever tried to talk to them? Aren't they just a fun person to talk to? <laughs> Can I just be real? The pastor in that, in that movie, and I'm only, I don't want to tell you the whole movie. Go see it for yourself. The, uh, he, gave a, he finally sat down. He gave up the bravery. He sat down and he said, you know what? That door will always be open to you, no matter who you are, where you come from. And he left his church open 24-7. They could come in and pray anytime they wanted. But he said, you know what? That goes two ways. If you don't like that, the door's open to you too. There was a few religious knuckleheads that got up and walked out that church. Can you believe it? Kind of takes me back to that joke, where, and it wasn't really a joke because it's real life, where the man tries to get in church and they won't let him in, and Jesus is sitting on the front steps saying, don't worry, I've been trying to get in there for years. They won't even let me in. 
This is what happens when we get caught up in religious tradition. That's that's what happens. The church dies. It is sad. Church is closing their doors all the time because they won't get a hold of what God's up to. I'm telling you right now, this area, God's up to some big stuff. And there has been a lot of confirmation of that. It's not just me. I'm talking to local pastors. I'm talking to people in the area. We met with a few the other night. And they've been sensing the same thing. The idea of doing a crusade in Dexter was a breath of fresh air. Because it is the center, the epicenter of everything that's about to happen. It's not going to stay in Dexter. Dexter's just kind of in the middle. I want to talk to you for just a minute. And a matter of fact, now that I think about it, it's going to go right along with what we're getting ready to talk about with David. Let's read our, uh, what I've called the key passage for this, I guess, series now. First Chronicles 3, or First Chronicles 4, I'm sorry, 9 and 10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. I said it last week. Now pain was more honorable than his brothers. How many people you think these religious folks are going to let pain in their house? But God said he was more honorable than his brothers. Even though his mom named him pain. Check it out. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. But Jabez, that was a movie, uh, the guy in the movie's name was Lonnie. He was seeking a change. And he was telling, the, he was explaining it to the pastor. He was a hippie. But he was a hippie that had found Jesus and found the real high. And he explained it to this pastor, and you could see it breaking up on his face. He said, You've got a whole generation right now that are seeking God, but they're seeking him in all the wrong places. And you won't open your door to him. Heaven forbid that happens here. Bring him. I'm like my pastor. I hope the biggest drunk in Jackson can call me his pastor. Because at least when he's in the house, I know he's getting a little bit of something. Right? Religious folk, they get all stirred up about that. They can't handle that. Jabez called on the God. Here's what Jabez did. I want you to notice Jabez broke the curse. Jabez stopped, and you can do this. Generational curses, you can do this. You can say, you have the authority as a child of God to say, this curse stops with me. No one after me will have this curse. I break it in Jesus' name. It's not welcome anymore. Because that's the name that's above every name. Jesus. Jesus is what makes things happen. Not religion. Jesus is what makes it happen. Why do you think you hear Christians going around saying it's not about religion, it's about relationship? Because Jesus is about relationship. He went to the prostitutes. He went to the drunks. He went to those demon-possessed. He went to those that needed a Savior. That's what he did. I'll bring it to present. He went to you. Here's my real question. is because some of you, I have a feeling in here, some of you never answered this knock. When he came and knocking on your door, did you answer or did you just blow him off and keep the door shut? He's not going to force himself on you. You got to choose. Are you going to follow him? 
I promise you this. Here's what I can promise you. I won't promise you your problems will go away, but I'll promise you a better life. Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me. Look at your neighbor and say, we need God's hand to move. In Jackson, in Cape Girado, in the region. That your hand would be on with me and would keep me from evil. Because if God's hand's with you, he's going to keep you from evil. If you're following God, he's going to keep you from evil. You fall into that trap. You start sinking in the water. He's the first one to put his hand out and say, come on. Get back up. Let's do it again. Peter. I always go back to that. We're going to have to do that. I'm going to have to do that message here soon. That I may not cause pain. He said, God, I don't want to cause pain. I don't want to be known as pain. Change me. What does verse, the last part of verse 10 say? So God granted him what he requested. If you'll come to God with your whole heart, repenting of what you've done, receiving his free gift of salvation and then running with it, it will change your life. If I came up here every Sunday and just preached a salvation message about Jesus, that's really what it's about. To me, people looking for something else. All I got to give you is Jesus. That's it. Jesus is the one that does the change. Trenton can't do that. I'm just Trenton. 1 Samuel 17, we're going to pick up where we left off, and I don't think we're going to be much longer. I think there's a point, and God kind of showed me this morning where he wants me to stop this morning. First Samuel 17, last week we left off in verse 28. Remember what we left off with? His brother was basically telling him, you can't do it. Remember what we talked about? Family are the first ones to tell you, you can't do it. They've known you since you were yay high. And I don't think all parents intended to be that way. A lot of times it's the parents, but it's, the, it's their kid, right? They love that child. God starts taking them on a new adventure. It's scary, the unknown, right? But it's also an adventure. His brother became jealous. Remember, his brother was the one they passed up when it came time to anoint the new king. Remember, the oldest brother, Eliab. Surely this is the king, God. God said, nope, that's not him. All the way to the end of the line. Are all the kids here? Are all your sons here? Well, there's David. How many of y'all are Davids? Forgotten by the world, but God said, I got big plans for you, little David. He said, go get him. We're not going to sit down until he comes. <laughs> Imagine big brother's reaction. I can just see him sitting there like, <sighs> right? Now, maybe I'm wrong, but that's just a picture in my head, right? Bible doesn't tell us that. But I see sibling rivalry there. Now David shows up with the bread and cheese he was told to bring to the battlefield. He was just following what he was told by his dad to do. That was it. Jesse said, I need you to do this. He did it. He ends up overhearing Goliath making his usual rant. 
Matter of fact, I think I got notes here. I want to read Goliath's rant. So I'm going to have to go here and find it. Verse 7, uh, chapter 17. You got enough hands, Devin. Here we go. I want you to hear what Goliath had to say. Because where we're at in the story, we kind of skipped this part for time's sake. But you know what? We got time. Verse 8. Here comes a giant. Matter of fact, verse 7 says, now, his staff, uh, now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. It's heavy. It's big. And a shield bearer went before him. This is Goliath it's talking about. Verse 8, though, is what I wanted to get at. And 9. Oh, actually, and 10. The whole rant is there. Ain't it? This is all the devil can do. Remember last week God gave you a freebie while I was talking? He said, this just came to me. The only thing the devil can do when you're following God is run his mouth. That's it. He can't do anything else. He can't get you to do anything. You have to choose to follow him. He doesn't drag you there. See, here's the problem. We, don't, we always want to blame the devil for everything bad. But you know what? You can blame your own flesh. The devil's just there to tempt you to get you to do it. When you do it, that's on you. That's not the devil. That old devil made me do it, Rant. That's, that's baloney, too. Devil didn't make you do anything. He just kind of tempted you, and you decided to roll with it. Jesus does the same thing. But can we just talk here for a second? Verse, uh, verse 8 says, Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, This is Goliath. Why have you come out to line up for battle? I, my guess is this Philistine can sense the fear in the air. Because they're hiding in tents. Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail, how many of y'all know that he was thinking he was going to win? Your enemy don't come to you expecting to lose. He's expecting to win. You can win. Check it out. He just keeps going. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. He was that confident in what he was doing. We need some Christians with that kind of confidence. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Verse 10 says, and the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man so that we may fight together. He did this for 40 days. David shows up and hears him giving his little rant. I call it a rant because it don't mean nothing. It's talk. The world's all talk. They're all talk. They, they, they can't do anything. If you've got the spirit of God in you, they can't hurt you. They can't harm you. Bible talks about, oh, I don't remember who it was. I think it was in Daniel where they were trying to poison their food and all they did was throw some barley on it. They ate it anyway. They were expecting them to die. They didn't die. Saul got bit by a poisonous viper. They were expecting him to die. They were sitting around watching to see if he's going to die. Saul threw it off, threw it in the fire, and kept moving. That's the God you serve, but too many Christians are laying down to the enemy's demands. Let's start in verse 29. This is right after Eliab, or <coughs> Eliab the oldest brother, Makes his little, you're, you're just here to see the battle. Go back to tending sheep. 
know, he tried to talk him out of it, right? Verse 29 said, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. When the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. And Saul sent for him. I'm going to go to my notes here because I got all I one in it. <clears throat> How many of y'all know? Verse 31 says, once the word got out, they reported it to the king, Saul, and he sent for him. How many of y'all realize it only takes a moment for God to take you from shepherd boy to king? That's it. One moment. But in this case, the king took notice of David. And he sins for him. Verse 32 says, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against. Here it is again. I want you to notice it happened more than once. Too many people, the Christians, they give up on the first time. They're told they can't do it. They just don't. Second time, they might give up the second time. They may get to, and then they, they just don't. Third time, you're going right here when he gets to Goliath. They just don't. They just quit. David kept pushing. I want you to see what happened here. You're a youth. You can't fight him, basically. You're a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, I want you to check this out because many of us read the Bible, but we don't read the Bible. I want you to hear what David says here. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. <laughs> used to. Yeah, yeah. Did y'all catch yeah, that? Because yeah. Amen. Amen. last I checked, he was on a mission right. to deliver food. Right. He was still a shepherd boy. But here's what he said. I used to. Right. Woo, how many y'all, that's right. That could preach for an hour right there, right? Yeah. How many y'all can say, I used to be one way? But now I'm another. Watch what he says. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when I, it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Do you realize what David just said? I used to be a shepherd, and when a lion, this is enough on a resume, I'd want him on my front lines. Y'all realize a lion or a bear? How many of y'all going to go face to face with a grizzly? He takes your father's sheep or a lion when it's roaring at you. David says, I killed it. And here's what happened. Did you notice what else it said? I heard a preacher point this out years ago, and I had never caught it. That's why I say we read it, but we don't read it. He said, this, I used to keep it when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock. I went after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. But check out what happened. So he got the lamb. From its mouth first. But notice what happened next. Then. Notice it happened then. It says. And when it arose against me. 
He had already taken the lamb. He could have ran. But when it decided to arise against him is what he says. Then what did he do? He ran like a coward? No. Here's what he did. He grabbed it by its beard. Can you see him grabbing a lion's mane? Jerking it over and killing it. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. David was anointed probably two years before this. And my guess, I don't know, it doesn't tell us, is that this probably happened in that two-year span because the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, was already on him. So he didn't just worry about taking it out of the mouth. He killed it. He said, I've killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine. Notice he's not complimenting Goliath. This is an insult. I'm not scared of this guy. Woo. Some of us need that 17-year-old spirit. Because I believe he was around 17. 17-year-olds are go-getters. They're ready to go. Most of them, by this time when they're 17, they're about done with high school. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Woo. Your servant killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Notice David's defense of what he was about to do. It wasn't for David. Remember, his brother tried to say, you're full of pride. David said, I'm going to do this because he's come against the armies of the living God. He recognized who he was in God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Paul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor. And he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword and his armor and he tried to walk. For he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I can't walk in these. I've not tested them. And he took them off. David knew who he was in God. And because he knew who he was in God, he knew what he needed to fight with. And it wasn't armor. I honestly believe that if he'd have went with all this armor on, he'd have died. Why? What was going on here? Saul is trying to clothe him in the way he thinks it should get done, right? But God has called you to something unique. He wants you to move forward in how he has told you to move forward. David's instance, it was a staff, a sling, and five stones. We're going to talk about it next week because we're about to wrap up. You can't let the world tell you how you should accomplish it. I made that mistake in the first early years of my ministry, and I've been on a detour. I went on a detour for a little while. I let the world tell me it couldn't be done this way. You need to do it this way. God was telling me to do it another way, and I didn't follow God at first, right? And that's when we find out, you know what? God's way to be a whole lot easier. Take this garbage off of me. Every piece of armor they're trying to put on you. They mean well. A lot of them mean well. But they're holding you down. 
You can't do it the way they think you should do it. You've got to do it the way God has told you to do it. And when you follow God's path, that's what we're going to go get into next week. But David knew who he was in God. I want to close with this. I want to give you once again, and I've repeated this over and I do it on purpose, the definition of humility. The true definition of humility is appropriate self-appraisal, seeing yourself as God sees you. It doesn't mean making the rest of the world think you're low down and not worth anything. It means you know who you are in God and you surrender the call God has got for you. That is humility. Humility is adopting God's perspective on who you are and what you are assigned to do. Jeff Org, pastor, Character of Leadership was the book. You want to go read it? It's a good book. We've got to learn to adopt God's perspective of who we are. And what we're assigned to do. Only then, then and only then, are you showing true humility. If you're tuning with us online this morning, I want to get ready to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining with us online. Um, I guess we're going to continue next week. God's got a word. He had a word. I told Devin on the way here, God's got a word this morning. I'm not sure all the details. I got some notes, but whatever God's got is what we're going to do, and that's what we did. If you uh, have listened and something has touched you, can I just assure you the first step on your journey is receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And to do that, you have to ask him in. He's not going to force himself in. You have to ask. You simply say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. You prayed that prayer from the bottom of your heart and you meant it. I'm here to say congratulations. Welcome to God's family. It's time to start the journey. Your next step is you need to find you a good church home that's making disciples. And you need to be baptized. Following in Jesus' footsteps. So I'm already telling you your next step. Don't sit at home and expect it to happen. You got to get out. You got to do. And as you pursue God, he'll pursue you. And he'll show you where to go. He'll give you direction. He'll point you the right way. Times it's going to seem, and I'm just, I mean, I guess I'm throwing this out there for somebody. There's going to be times in your life when it just seems like it doesn't make sense. God, you're telling, can I be honest? Calling Dexter, Missouri did not make sense to me. But I did it anyway, and when I got there, I found out why. It doesn't always make sense. Matter of fact, that's, most of the time, I won't say all the time, because some of you are just going to get all twisted. That's how you know it's God. It's nothing you can comprehend in your own mind. If you could do it yourself, you wouldn't need God. Then he wouldn't be God in your life anymore. So you got to figure out, where's God taking me? Follow his direction. It won't always make sense. Sometimes it will. It won't always make sense. And I pray that as you go forward, whatever doesn't make sense, you just continue to walk. 
Because as you continue to walk and pursue God, you're going to find out something. You're going to find out your call. You're going to find out your purpose. And you're going to find out your destiny where God has got for you to go. And I can promise you this. The only thing I can promise you is it's going to be worth the fight. It'll be worth it. Troubles won't go away. Matter of fact, they're going to increase. Let's just be real. When you give your life to God, you're going to walk this thing out. It will be the hardest thing you ever have to do. Because Paul said, I die daily. You have to kill the flesh daily in your life that holds you back from doing what God's called you to do. Daily. Carry your cross daily. Knowing you're following God without doubting. When you figure that out, it's going to open your eyes to a whole new world. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning online. We'll see you next week.